Hi there, this is Steve, but this isn't the beginning of the show. Before we begin, I invite you to check out my free masterclass called The Surprising Path to Excellence. If you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or leader with financial responsibility in your company, you'll definitely not want to miss this one. I'll cover how a winning strategy combined with operational excellence drives higher cash flow and firm value. You can watch it for free at cultbar.com. I'll also link it in the show notes below. I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to the Strategic Financial Leadership Podcast, a podcast for entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who want to elevate their game and reach new levels of abundance and success. I'm Steve Coffrin, the founder of Coltvar, and I've spent my entire career growing and turning around companies, and together we'll explore the latest happenings in the world of strategy and finance. Let's do this. Before we begin, just remember that this podcast is for educational purposes and the information shared herein should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Check out our terms and conditions in the show notes to learn more. Now on to the show. Jody Levy is the co-founder of Hope Spring Holistic Health Institute, a new holistic wellness center that has redefined healthcare as whole care, supporting the whole person, mind, body, spirit, and community. Jody's goal at Hope Spring is to help each person to unlock their power to heal and thrive by offering the best evidence-based integrative medicine and holistic counseling with the new science of mind-body medicine. All right, Jody, I, I want to learn more about your journey because you spent over 30 years, correct, in the corporate world. That is absolutely correct. And then now you, uh, you made this transition to your current career, which is in coaching, counseling, and teaching uh, natural approaches to healing. So explain to me how you transitioned from this corporate environment to what you're doing now and tell me a little bit more. How's it going? It's going great. I, uh, I wake up every day in deep gratitude to be able to serve in this way. And uh, it was really ended up being a natural transition when it happened, although it was a long time coming. I, uh, in the corporate world, I love mentoring people. In fact, many times people would come up to me and say, why do you mentor so many people? At one point I was mentoring 12 people. I just love working with people, supporting people. You know, you can say it was my calling, even though I was in the corporate world. One of the reasons why I love innovation, which is what I did in the corporate world, was because I love to understand consumer behavior, figure out what do people want, uh, you know, in their life? How do they get motivated? And so it's always been a, like a golden thread in my life is, is understanding people and working with people. And it turns out, you know, after a 30 year career, I was starting to feel burnt out and uh, I ended up with an autoimmune condition, you know, and there's nothing like uh, nature knocking at your door and saying, you know, pay attention, you're not doing enough for yourself. And long story short of it, I um, started to get introduced to something called energy medicine. I had no idea what it was at the time. But as soon as I learned about it, I would learned, okay, this is what I need to go do for the rest of my life. You know, I need to go get trained in this. And I got trained in it. And it was really what propelled me to leave the corporate world. And from there, I just started studying all different types of natural healing approaches, went back to school for my master's in social work, which brought me to this creation of this wellness center. And that's how I got here. And um, I can I can say what I love to, to tell people when I work with them is that I'm so passionate about this work because I no longer have that autoimmune condition as a result of doing this work. So, you know, it was life changing on many levels for me to leave the corporate world and also my own personal uh, journey of healing along the way. And now I'm here to share it with other people. Now, from an early age, I mean, did you aspire to go into business and, and to go into this corporate world and to be this working woman? Explain a little bit about like when you were younger, like what you wanted to do with your life and, and how did that work out for you? What did it, did all your dreams come true and all your goals come true? And has it been very linear or has it been a little bit more messy than that? Uh, it has not been linear at all. <laughs> there is a golden thread that, that follows my life, which is that I love to build things. And you'll see as I, you know, I just opened this center. I was in innovation. I used to help, you know, create products. I, I always love building things. I love to I love the challenge of being given a blank piece of paper and making something of it, whether it be building teams or building businesses. But when I graduated high school, I wanted to be a counselor. Interesting. I've come full circle. And my parents discouraged me at the time. Um, you know, everybody has their own biases and, and I love them dearly, but they did, didn't think it was the best thing for me. And I considered medical school. I really loved the healing arts. Uh, but at the time, this was in the 19, early 1980s. It was very different than it is right now. If you were going to be a physician, you need to be a full-time physician and perhaps needed to not have a family because you needed, there was no such thing as part-time uh, doctors at the time. And so I really wanted to get married and have a family. And so I literally did not go into um, medicine because 
I didn't think I could balance my career and a family. Interestingly, I got pulled into innovation and into the corporate world because of that whole desire for understanding people and loving people and understanding how they, they tick. And I ended up with this corporate career as a senior executive who had anything but work-life balance. <laughs> right. So I didn't go into it because I thought, I didn't go into medicine because I wanted work-life balance. And I ended up in this really intense 70-hour-a-week corporate role as a senior executive. And there I was. But I love the work. I, again, I love building things. And so I did really love the work for most of my career with its ups and downs as any corporate career would have it. So that's how I got started. I just, you know, worked my way into it, um, sort of backdoor. And even in the corporate world, I bounced between um, being in marketing and being in strategy and being, I led actually an R&D organization at one time. It was always about what can I build new? <laughs> yeah. I let, I, you know, and I, each time I created something, whether it was a team or a product, what I still do is I, I help support people and I like to build things. Let's go back to like your early days in your career, because you know you're you're in this career, you know it, it's probably high demand on your time, like you're explaining, and you have kids because I, yes. I know um, one of your daughters, and she's a rock yes. star, by the way. So, like, you. obviously, you did a good job, like you know, raising your kids, nurturing your kids. But I mean, was that difficult to try to handle the demands of work? But you're also, you know, trying to be a mother and you know balance everything else in in your personal life. Talk a little bit about that. Yes. Uh, so again, in the early 80s, it was still fairly new for women to be in senior positions in business. So we, I was the generation of super mom, right? And mm -hmm. in fact, just recently, my daughters, I had a milestone birthday, my daughters gave me a card that said, you're still our super mom. And back then, <laughs> it was like a badge to wear like, oh, my gosh, I'm a super mom, I can do it all. You know, I can go to every soccer game and every softball game and every recital and I can have this really intense corporate role and I can take care of the family. And, and you know, and that good news was I had a lot of capacity to do that. However, you know, I told you at the end of my 30 year career, I ended up with an autoimmune condition. I now know that was because I did not have good work life balance. I did not have the tools to be able to like refuel my tank and make sure I was taking care of myself along the way. So I did a really good job of focusing on my children and focusing on my career and focusing on my family and my house, not a very good job of focusing on myself. And that's what I've learned along the way is that we have to keep ourselves in that equation. Uh, otherwise, yeah. at some point it catches up with us. Which I mean, it's so easy to do that, right? To like push our own like mental health or physical health or even like our social health, right? To the side because right. we're just working, we're cranking and we yeah. think, look, if I just get to this next position, or if I get to this balance in my bank account, or if I just get to yes. this milestone, then that's when I'll start changing my ways. And, and don't you think that's kind of like this false story and narrative that we yes. tell ourselves? Yes, I think it's the dominant narrative of our culture, right? Our culture is all about success, right? And success defined as the bigger title, the bigger house, the bigger car. And I think it's an unfortunate part of our, our dominant narrative of our culture today, because what we lose in that is what is real success? What does it feel like to wake up every morning and feel passionate about what you're doing? To wake up every morning and feel like you have energy and you're really doing work that's really fulfilling you. Um, and we don't talk about that a lot in our society. We talk a lot about like, what title do you have and how much money do you have in the bank? And I can tell you when I left the corporate world, I make a whole lot less money now. I'm the happiest I've ever been. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. And I feel fulfilled in my life. And sure. so, you know, I think I'm a really good example of I drank the Kool-Aid for a very long time and I realized it didn't really bring me happiness in the end. Yeah. It was not fulfilling. It was well, fulfilling in some levels short term, like those immediate hits of like, oh, that feels great. Right. Sure. But not that not that deep inner fulfillment. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I want to get into that here in a minute. It, it's interesting. I was watching this cartoon with my kids last night. So I was making them dinner and they're, they're sitting at the kitchen table watching this on the TV. And I was just listening to it. And the story was this king basically gets kidnapped by this villain and he's being held for ransom. And the king says, look, I'll give you like he is trying to negotiate. I'll give you a quarter of my kingdom, right? And then the, the villain's like, I want more than that. He's like, okay, I'll give you half of my kingdom, right? And the villain's like, I want it all. But it's interesting that, you know, in life, you know, we work towards these different like milestones or like monetary like goals that we may have. Cause we think like, if we just reach this, then we'll be successful. And then we could like start living the life that we want. But then we reach this point, like you're talking about with your autoimmune disease, then you're in the spot and you're like, wow, I'm sick because of this, whether it's mentally sick or, you know, like physically sick or whatever it is. And then you're willing to give up everything that you were trying to 
capture in order to so it, it's kind of like this weird anomaly and that that cartoon really hit me because it's like we work towards like this certain level but then we're willing to give that all up in the end so like what the heck are we doing is a lot of our effort in vain right yeah and i think you know a lot of times people will talk about these seminal events in their life or suddenly they got sick or somebody you know some tragic thing happened and it wakes them up and they mm. suddenly have this broader perspective of like what really is important in life right it's it's oftentimes these seminal moments that people stop and really look within and say, okay, what really is it that's going to make me happy? What is sure. it that's going to make me feel fulfilled? You know, because if you don't have those moments to stop you, and unfortunate, they're usually not positive moments, but if you don't, then we just keep going on this path of like, okay, this is what society tells them supposed to keep doing. You know, I wish for all of us that we would stop along the way, or we would start out in a different way. <laughs> but uh, oftentimes it is these like, you know, knocks on the side of the head that makes us stop and say, what is it that's going to make me happy and fulfilled? Yeah, absolutely. Like what, what's going to actually endure and be sustainable. And I, I think it's interesting because I did a, a podcast episode with uh, Steven Ginsburg. He was a guest and he wrote a book called filling the void. Excellent book, by the way. And he was talking about like this void that, you know, we all have in life. Right. And it, it comes and goes, and sometimes it, it's, it's pervasive and it persists, but we have this void. And, and like you're talking about, we, we try to fill the void with these quick hits or with these other things. Right. Yeah. And for me, like, I know I'm guilty of this. Like I have a void in my life. You know, I, I work, right. And I get those quick hits and it, it's very easy to put a bandaid on the void, right. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I'll, I'll win a contract or, you know, I'll do a, a big speaking engagement or, you know, some other thing, like other successful thing career-wise just gives me like that quick adrenaline or quick, like boost yeah. to my confidence, self-esteem or whatever it is. Um, and it feels good. Right. And then yes, you just like, absolutely. you know, you get caught in the cycle and you just like go over and over again. But then there's other times in my life where I step back and I think, what the heck am I doing? Like, right. what do I want my life to look like? And is this really what life's supposed to be about? And to all the things that you're talking about. Yes, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I think it is. Um, many of us keep busy and that keeping busy is a way to not have to deal with the void. And I think this has been a really interesting year with the pandemic because people have been forced to slow down. And I know many people who've had to really sit with things that were really uncomfortable. And there's a lot of mental health issues that are really stronger than they were even a year ago. And a lot of dissatisfaction, a lot of people questioning because what was keeping us busy running around is no longer you can't hide, right? If you're sitting home yep. now and you have time. And so things are coming to the surface. And I look at it and I say, great, as long as you can see it and say, okay, now what do I want to do about it, right? In some respects, these are opportunities to stop and pause and say, okay, what do I want to do differently now? So, you know, the silver lining to me about the pandemic is that as people have slowed down, they've started to have time and forced to look at that void and say, well, what does it mean for me? And I think if people use it as an opportunity, not as not to try to run away from it again, it has an opportunity for us to, you know, make changes in our life that are positive. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, so you got to this point where, you know, you're, you spend three decades in the corporate world, you're grinding, you know, you're, you're working your tail off, you know, you're achieving these things, you're very successful and then you get done and then you have this autoimmune disease that, that pops up in your life during that time. Did you like look back and, and think to yourself, dang, I wish I would have done this differently, you know, during this like wake up call, did you have like this certain enlightenment about your life? And if so, what was that? Yes, I think um, what I realized in that was that I needed to include myself as part of the equation. Again, in this, de in this decade, and it's still happening today, especially for people who are really dedicated to their career and dedicated to having families, they often leave themselves and their needs behind, right? And mm -hmm. so it's like, you only have so many hours in the day. And if it's career and family, oftentimes the individual is left behind. And so I think what I learned most is that we have to put ourselves in the equation as we're thinking about how much time we have in any given day or any given week or month, what are we doing for ourselves? What are we doing to refill our own tank? As I said, like you can't drive a car on fumes. It will only go so far before it stops. Sure. And that's what happens to us is we really oftentimes don't refill our own tank. And, you know, if you have a big capacity, it can go a pretty long time like I did before your body and your mind start to say to you, okay, we're really running on fumes here. Stop. Yeah. And if you don't listen, it will stop you. You will get stopped one way or another, like I did with my autoimmune condition, which was life-threatening at the time. You know, it was nothing like a life-threatening illness to say to you, okay, Jody, you need to do something different in your life. I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't taking time for myself to quiet my mind. All those things, um, which are now like non-negotiables. I have this minimum. I won't go without seven hours of sleep every night. I eat a really healthy diet. 
and I meditate every morning, even if it's for 10 minutes, just to, like, that's my baseline, get my, put myself in the equation. I like that. I like the non-negotiables. Like, you know, I, I try to be good about that. Like my, my weak spot is, is sleep because yeah. I, I feel like that's one area I can sacrifice on. Like I like to get up super early in the morning and go running, you know, a while back I said, look, I'm going to have the seven hour rule. If I don't get seven hours of sleep, I'm not going to go running. And, but I, I break it now. Like, okay, it's, it's actually six hours. And, uh, the other day, you know, I got like four and a half hours of sleep before my alarm went off. And I was like, okay, do I go running? And then I didn't, you know, I, I decided to go back to sleep, but I think that's so important to have like those non-negotiables in life because otherwise, you know, we could definitely compromise. And I think most people, you know, they're selfless in a lot of ways and they, yes. you know, they want to give themselves to other people, to their family, you know, to like their values and, and everything else. And they're, they, they sacrifice, you know, so much for themselves. But I, I guess my question out of all this is if somebody feels like, you know, they're, they're in this rut, right? They're, they're selfless. They're giving everything they can because they want to be a good spouse or a yes. good father or mother or brother or sister or friend or whatever it is. They want to do a good job in their career. They want to feel successful. So they give everything and everything and everything. And then you say, well, you know what? Take a break for yourself. You know, like meditate in the morning, block out time to take a long lunch or go on a run or go exercise or take a trip by yourself. Don't you think feelings of like, selfishness may creep in and then make them feel bad about taking time for themselves. And if so, like, how do you like overcome that? Because we've all heard the adage, right? It's like, Oh, put on the oxygen mask before, you know, you help others. Like I hear that, but it's kind of easier said than done. Right. Yes. No, I totally agree. I I think that's a big part, especially for women. I mean, it happens with men as well, but especially for women, there's this feeling of, you know, it's selfish for me to take time away from my children and, there's a couple of thoughts. I mean, there is, you know, similar to the put your oxygen mask on, there's this notion that like, you can't give what you don't have. Uh, like you can't bring the best of yourself if you yourself are not your best. And there is a real truth to that. Uh, I do find people I've worked with that once they do take even small amounts of time for themselves, they show up as a better mom, they show up better in terms of their ability to be creative at work, because they have the energy and they have, you know, they've, they've really refueled themselves. So it, it's sometimes slowing down to speed up. It's something like stopping to, to then give to others. So yeah. I don't think it's a, I don't think it means giving up and saying, well, I'll never give to others. I think it's recognizing that as you support yourself, you actually support others as well. That's one way to help shift that paradigm on it's selfish. Sure. I also think the other thing I want to mention, and you said about, you know, your sleep and your running is that everybody's different in terms of what they need as their non-negotiables. So for me, it's sleep, but I have a friend who you know, he gets six hours of sleep and that's all he needs. He's really refreshed on six hours. And for him running also is really important because it's part of the mental health part. And it's like, if that's what works and that's what makes you feel filled up and fills your tank, perfect. And so um, it's, there's no cookie cutter that says it has to be a certain way. It's more getting to know ourselves and say, what is it that helps me? And I also think it's about not time per se, like you don't need to take a half a day off, you know, it can be small things. There's a a breath I teach people, it takes one minute. And this has been done by HeartMath Institute. They're an organization that's been studying the heart for 25 years. They've shown there's this one breath, if you do it for one minute, it actually calms your stress response, it actually opens up the um, frontal cortex. So you have more problem solving abilities, and more creativity comes it's one minute of this breath. That's all that's needed. So, you so how do you do this? Yeah. Tell okay. I'll, I'll tell you how you do it. This is a, a great thing. You just, when you breathe, you picture breathing into the center of the chest, like picture the breath is coming into the center of the chest. So you picture the breath coming into the center of the chest and leaving the center of your chest. So it's just like a visual. I breathe into the center of my chest, out from the center of my chest. And once you have that natural breath where you're seeing it coming in and out of the center of your chest, you bring a positive emotion into your psyche. So either you picture your favorite place, whether it's at the beach, laying on the beach or hiking in the mountains, or if you have trouble visualizing, you can just use a word like joy and you breathe in joy, you breathe out joy, or you, you breathe, you keep breathing. You're always picturing coming in and out of the center of your chest and some kind of positive emotion. And one minute has been shown to literally change how our nervous system is reacting and brings us back into a state of what's called coherence. And there's all kinds of research they've done to show that, you know, the more you do this, the more it helps with sleep, the more it helps with chronic illness, it helps with all kinds of issues. Uh, Really well researched, uh, researched by HeartMath Institute. So you just do that over and over again. So you breathe in deep and then you breathe out. 
But picture you coming in and out of the center of your chest. For one minute, it's all that's needed to get you into that place of coherence and lower the stress response, open up creativity, open up the ability to problem solve. So you're just breathing in, breathing out, picturing it coming in the center of your chest, out in the center of your chest with a positive emotion. That's the key to it, the positive emotion. Interesting. And I love that. I need to, I need to practice that. I need to just slow down. It's funny because like, it's the small and simple things that really matter, right? I mean, it's to your point, it's not like this, you have to take three weeks vacation and, you know, go on these sabbaticals and do all this crazy stuff. It's like, sometimes it's just one minute. Like, why are we so stubborn as human beings? Like we know this stuff. Why why don't we take the time to do that? You know, it's that whole, we get into this cycle, right? This flywheel of a cycle of rat race, right? And mm-hmm. I, and again, I think the silver lining in the, in the pandemic is hopefully everybody has slowed just a bit more that we have a little bit more pause to say, okay, what can I do differently now? And it's habit. There's an author, and I can't remember his name now, but he had this, he wrote a book that's called Habit. And he says that 99% of our day, we're, we're just on autopilot, right? The subconscious is driving and we're on autopilot. We're not really consciously thinking, well, what am I doing now? What am I doing later? We just, we get into our habits. And so to break a habit, you have to be intentional and you have to bring present awareness. And so oftentimes the biggest thing we can do for ourselves, if we want to make a change is bring ourselves back to present awareness. Like, hmm. what am I thinking right now? What is it that I'm doing? Because we just get on autopilot most of the time. And that's usually the big first step in change. And the biggest thing that, and the hardest thing to do to make change is bring yourself to the present moment awareness. And then you can make changes. And probably meditation helps a lot with that. So th- let me ask you this, like, how do you actually meditate? Right? Like oh. I, I've heard about like meditation. I think everybody may do it a little bit differently, but like, yes. how do you actually do that? Yes. I'm really glad you asked that question, Steve, because I, I want to demystify it. I, at least when I originally started, I was really intimidated by it. And I know many people are, because it's like, well, how can I quiet this mind? You know, they say, they, they show these yogis sitting on their mat for like, you know, like nothing in their mind for, you know, hours at a time. And that is one form of meditation, but it's not what most people do. There are many different ways to meditate. Um, you can meditate through prayer. You can meditate through singing and mantra. Anything that's repetitive that you stay mindful and aware of is a form of meditation. So if you, you sing a song that you like and you stay really focused in the present moment on that song, that's a form of meditation. There's a, a really beautiful app that's free. It's called Insight Timer. And they do guided visualizations. You can do a one minute. They have a one minute guided visualization where you just listen to it and it it talks you through like visualizing something. That's a form of meditation. And that's a free app. It's called Insight Timer. They have thousands of meditations actually on that that are guided visualizations. You can do walking meditation. You can take a walk and just stay mindful. Like really the key is to stay in the present moment. You don't have to clear your mind of every thought. You just want to stay in the present moment. And some people like to do it running. Some people run. Actually, my other daughter that you don't know, she says she her best meditation is when she runs because she gets into the zone. Sure. Can you describe the zone? That's a, that's a form of meditation. So there's so many ways to do it. It's really about being present, present moment, and bringing the mind to some place of quiet. What, what do you mean by like the present moment? Do you mean like, so say I go running, mm-hmm. and are you saying like, just focus on what I'm experiencing in that moment. Like, Oh, there's, you know, I hear some birds chirping, yes. you know, I'm smelling the grass, you know, growing and, and I'm not thinking about what I got to do at work when I, when I get there. Exactly. And is that what you're talking about? Exactly. Cause most of the time our minds, there's something like, I don't know the exact number, but it's something like we have 90,000 thoughts a day. Our mind is constantly all over the place. Like it's a notion, like you drive somewhere and you're like, okay, how did I get here? Because we haven't paid attention at all to what we've been doing. We're totally our minds so many other places. They say that the neuroscience says that in any given day, 90 to 95% of our time, we're in our subconscious mind, our subconscious beliefs are driving us and our mind is somewhere else. We're not really noticing, oh, I'm talking to Steve right now. And he's sitting in this environment and there's red books behind him, right? Our minds in a million places. So it's really noticing what's happening. Where am I right now in this moment? <laughs> What's happening? Like you said, running. Oh, there's trees over there and really being here. It's an interesting That's exercise when you try to do it because we're not all oftentimes there, most of us. Okay. So meditation. So I can sing a song over and over again, right? Yeah. Um, it, like and in be your paying head. attention to it. It can be it's- in your head because you try to start singing a song and your mind will be thinking about a million other things. Before you know it, you'll be saying the words and your mind will be thinking about, oh, what am I going to have for dinner? And and what do I have to do in that email? It's, yeah. it's really hard to stay focused on whatever it is you're doing in that moment. <laughs> so you just, you focus on every single word that you're saying, right? Yes. 
Um, okay. So you can sing a song, you could say a prayer, right? So yeah. you could be expressing things of gratitude or, or gratitude. whatever. Fabulous. Um, so that's great. And then, or, I mean, can you just sit there and just like try to think of black darkness or like, yeah, you can, you can do what I call traditional, but we usually hear about meditation where, you know, you sit and you just quiet the mind. There's a way you can sit where you just watch the thoughts pass through your mind. And you're like, okay, there's a thought, let that by, let it go by, let the next thought go by. You just, you're aware of the thoughts. That's another way of doing meditation, mindful meditation. And some people are really good at just clearing their mind. Um, yeah. mantra, which is basically primordial sounds have a vibration that helps to quiet the mind. So you can do mantra mantra usually are really helpful because they have a way to help quiet the mind. So it's easier to sort of re- repeat mantra. Uh, that's another way to do it. Okay. And no, yeah, that, there's so many different ways. That's good. You, you unlock some of the mystery because I, I yeah. hear people talking about meditation. You know, I always want to meditate. I mean, I, I guess I do different forms. I guess it's not like completely rigid how I do it. I do run and uh, yes. sometimes I'm in the present moment. Sometimes I'm not, but no, that's really good. So let, let's go back to just connecting the the dots in your life, right? Because, yes. you know, you, you have a lot of experience with life, you know, just in different um, circumstances. But like when you look back on your life, do you connect the dots? Like you were building things, you're into innovation and strategy and like leadership and all this stuff. Now you're at this different place in life. Do you look back and you're like, okay, I definitely see why this happened that way or why I went down this path or why I was interested in that because now it's starting to come a little bit more full circle. Yes. Steve, you hit it like a bullseye, like ding, ding, ding. Yes. (laughs) I've been doing a lot of that recently. Like I told you, I hit a new decade of a birthday recently and I, you know, I use it as a time to pause, especially and to look back. And it's so interesting because oftentimes we don't realize when we're in a phase, why we're in that phase. But I feel like my life has come to a beautiful culmination in the sense of I, like, I feel like I'm now in the sweet spot of what I'm here to really do, really live a purposeful life. And I believe my business background was really critical for it because I've just recently opened up a holistic wellness center. And from soup to nuts, I'm the person who's wearing all these hats. So I'm the CFO, the CMO. I'm the chief broom sweeper. Right. <laughs> I'm also, I'm also uh, doing holistic healing um, and I'm a holistic counselor and doing all these things. But I wouldn't be able to launch this business because it is a business without having those business skills and without sure. being able to have strategy skills and be able to create a vision and I, all my, my le- leadership skills and like interviewing and hiring people. And you know, now it's really clear to me that everybody who works has to be heart-centered and they have to really have a passion for serving, but that's really critical. But I also know how to find those people because of my skills in, in interviewing for so many years. So I really see that all those business skills are serving me beautifully now, even though I do it through this heart space. I mean, even in the business world, I, I did it through a heart space and people thought it was really weird um, back then. But now I'm, you know, now I do it in a place where it's very comfortable. Um, but yes, each piece of the puzzle has really come together now. The, the fact that I love working with people and supporting people, I get to do that through the healing work and, and I'm running a business in all aspects of the business. So yes, it's a great question. And, and I feel really grateful for everything that's led me to this place. Hey, real quick, I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you're an entrepreneur or business leader and you want to take your game to the next level or you want to avoid being crushed out there during these uncertain times, be sure to check out our free masterclass called The Surprising Path to Excellence by visiting cultivar.com or through our Boosting Your Financial IQ app. I'll link this in the show notes as well. I'm also offering some freebies, so be sure to check it out. Now back to the show. And isn't it interesting because like how life works, you know, you said when like early on you were interested in like counseling and helping people. Right. But sometimes I feel like in life, there's like these holding places that don't yet exist. Right. So for example, like when I, I grew up without a dad, right. My dad, he left the family when we were young, he had his own issues. And, you know, at the time I never really understood that. I was like, okay, why do I have to grow up without a dad? I look at all my friends, they go home to like this two, two parent family. And I just never understood it, but I didn't have a holding place, you know, in my heart at the time. 
until later on when I became a dad, right? Then I became a dad and I was like, wow, you know, instead of anger, frustration, disappointment, discouragement, whatever, it's more like compassion, right? Like I have compassion, like, dang, it's, it's better to be a a son without a father than a father without a son. But I had to have that holding place. And, and similar to like, to your thing, you know, possibly is like, you didn't have that holding place. Like you're, you're living the life right now that you're passionate about, right? Like you could argue and say, Hey, this is my calling. Right. But you couldn't get there until you got the business skills first. Right. Cause you, the holding place didn't exist. Do you, do you agree with that? Or, or what's your thought on like holding places and what I just said? Yes, 100%. I feel like we all have a path. I feel like it's not a coincidence. It's not random that we do have a calling in life. And we are called to serve whatever that capacity is at different times. Some people are called to serve at a, you know, a younger age, some people at different stages in their life. And that at the time, we have these different experiences, like you with, you know, having to grow up the way you did without your dad there, that at the time, we don't understand it. And to your point, it's a great way to say it, we don't have a holding place for it. And yet, if we keep staying aware and open to seeing what life is serving up for us and following our own heart and knowing where do we go next, we're showing what's next and the pieces eventually come together and they come together at different times for different people. But I really do believe that there, it's not random that we all have this path. And I really believe that I could not have known, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago that I was going to end up here. Sure. Um, but I do believe when I look back now that it's all been guided and that everything that happened in my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly happened for a reason has brought me to this place, which is now feeling exactly like I am in my place of serving what I'm really here to do. You know, my life's work. I feel like I have another 40 years to go. So hopefully a long time to be able to do that. Many yeah. people, many of my own peers are like, wait a minute, I'm starting to retire. What are you doing? You're starting building things. And I'm like, well, I've got a long way to go and and I'm really passionate and grateful to be in this place. Yeah. And and I I think that's a good point, you know, because I I come across a lot of people, I'm sure you do too. And they, they talk about purpose. Right. And, you know, I had a friend that I was talking to just recently and um, she was talking about like, Hey, I I don't really feel like I have purpose. And it's like, how do you even like find that? Right. Like, I, I don't think you're like, I don't have purpose. And you read a book and you, or you take an assessment and you get it. But maybe to your point, maybe it's like you just continue to work and you continue to put yourself out there and you experience different things and like purpose like comes over time, right? Or do you think it's something that you just say, hey, I need to figure out my purpose. I'm going to give myself 30 days to figure this out and you just figure it out. It's definitely not that. (laughs) I think it's it's a, my personal belief is that it's a combination of both. I think there are people who don't ever ask the question, what's my purpose? And they can just keep going on that path of, you know, whatever it is they think they're supposed to do. Um, and I don't know that they, it will ever show up because they're not really open to it. I think if you open yourself up to ask the question, what is my life's purpose? There is work you can do to really tune into your own knowing. I think there are pieces of the puzzle that are shown to us over time. Uh, I believe in some respects, it's not always like one life purpose. I think we have different purposes. I think at the time when I was in the corporate world, raising my children, if you'd asked me, I believe one of my purposes was to show that you can be a successful career person and raise a successful family. And I felt like it was purposeful to be able to be a role model for that. I did a lot of mentoring with other women on how to try to do that in a way that was intentional. Uh, I wasn't obviously very perfect. You know, I wasn't perfect at it because I had my own issues along the way of not taking care of myself. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do feel like I was still a role model and helping people see that it was possible to do that. Uh, So I feel like I've had different purposes. But I do think there is some intentional work that's needed to help us explore what is my purpose. There are, you know, readings you can do, there are practices you can do, there are people you can work with coaches and things like that, that can help yourself reveal the answers. We the answers come to us, but we need sometimes support to get those answers in. And there are pieces that come over time. Yeah, absolutely. What What's really unique about you is that you have like this corporate experience, right? Like you've been in the professional world, right? You've yes. seen a lot of things and now you're, you're on this side, this other side, which is more like a holistic healing, filling your own gas tank type role. And, and I think the combination of those two things is really unique, right? Because you've seen both sides of it. Whereas other people that may just go into natural healing or holistic type work. And and I think that's fine, but I think they miss, you know, walking in shoes of of people that ultimately end up where you are. Do do you feel like that's a a strength of yours to, to be able to tie those two worlds together Um, or talk a little bit more about that? Yes. You know, absolutely. Um, 
I think most of the people who work with me feel like I'm very practical. So it's like, okay, how do you bring this into your world to help you? And I'm practical in the recognition that it's not easy to do what you want to do. Like people will say, well, okay, I really want to take care of myself, but I'm working, you know, all these hours and I'm taking care of my family and I've been there. So I understand it. And I understand what the real challenges are. So I can put myself in people's shoes very easily. I've you know, experienced a lot of what people are dealing with. And so, you know, I really am able to support a person to make changes in a way that are practical and doable. And even one of the things that I love doing, and we'll be doing more of, hopefully we get through this pandemic is, is teaching in retreats, having people come and spend retreat time with us, where they really go inward to figure out what, what's working in their life and what do they want to change. And a big portion of that throughout the retreat is we're really working on how do you bring this into your life when you go back home? Because a lot of retreats, people go in, they do this, all this beautiful internal work, like this is all the changes I'm going to make. And then they leave and they go back and they're back to doing what they were doing before they left because they haven't done the work to figure out how are they going to make the change in their life. Sure. And that's the hard part, right? Yep. So that, I'm very practical with people and really work on how do you make this work in ways that work for you. And everybody's different in terms of what, what's the speed of the change they can make and how are they going to make the change in a way that's sustainable. Well, I like that because I think in business, it probably helped you a lot to like have a strategy to say, Hey, this is the direction I'm going in, but then also have to like actually implement it. Right. Yes, and I think like, absolutely. that's what you're talking about there is like, you could talk about this stuff all day long and say, yes, I want to change. I want to be better in these different areas. But if you can't execute on that, it's for not yes. right. That's right. That's the same thing that happens in the business world. There was actually a five-year period where I had my own business and my business was on executive coaching and strategy. And one of the things I used to say to my clients was so much time spent in the business world creating strategies. And I used to create strategies when I, that was my role in the corporate world. So much of time is built creating the strategy and so little time is spent on implementing it. Like sure. what are the barriers in the way? And it's the same thing, whether it be personal life or business, you know, we love, we get really excited about the building of the strategy and we tend to get spend less time on like, how am I actually going to implement this? And I think most strategies in business don't fail because they were poorly defined in terms of their strategy. I think they fail because there wasn't enough time and effort put into how do we implement it and how do yeah. we give it time to implement? Because you know, people give up on it too quickly. I agree. I mean, yeah, you, you see all these people and they, they go out there and do these strategic planning retreats and then, you know, they get all excited and jazzed up and then they, you know, reality hits are like, dang it, I got to go back and do my normal job. Plus yes. I got to focus on implementation yeah. and it's really hard. So let me, let me ask you this, Jody. So how does somebody like come to you? So that, let's imagine that let's take out the pandemic and all the complications yes. with that. Let's just say it's a mm -hmm. somewhat normal world, right? Yes. How does somebody like do work with you? Like, how do they know if they need to come to you? I always say if there's a change you want to make in your life, whether it be emotional or physical, we can help support you. And the way that the center is designed is I have an integrated medicine physician. I'm a holistic counselor and a mind body professional. Uh, we have acupuncture and yoga and massage. And so I always say what we've done is we've redefined healthcare as whole care. We support the whole person, mind, body, spirit, and community, sort of like the environment around you. So anybody who's in a situation where their life is not exactly the way they want it to be, whether emotionally or physically, we can support you. Whether in terms of working with me directly, sometimes people enter through the lens of holistic counseling. What that means is basically I have lots of ways to support people making change in their lives. And uh, we bring lots of different tools in that help people, I always say, take the fast pass, make, make changes. That's individual uh, we do retreats. So I uh, do personalized retreats. So I'm just actually working with a woman now who's going to come for three nights. And it's a personalized individual retreat where she wants to go dig deep, you know, and do some internal work of inner transformation, making some change. And we do group retreats that are weekend and week long retreats where you're with other people as well. Uh, and then there are ways for people to come on very specific issues. So uh, let's say a person has a situation where they are, they have one specific issue they want to work on, whether it be limiting beliefs or they have chronic pain. Uh, I have ways through my mind body practices where they contract me to help support them on working those specific issues. So lots of different ways. Usually people do a 20 minute consult with me on the phone. They tell me what's going on and I help them figure out what's the best way to start. Gotcha. So if somebody wants to make change in their life, they basically yes. come to you. And, and you know what? I, I, I love that because, you know, this podcast is about strategic financial leadership. And I think, you know, people in leadership roles 
they neglect themselves, like we talked about earlier, and they think they're getting away with it, right? They think, oh, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm stronger, I'm better, I'm different, like I can yes. get by on on less sleep or bad food or whatever the habit is because I'm different, right? I'm more resilient, yes. and then eventually it catches up with them, and then they yeah, need. By help. the way, and I'm the example, I'm the poster child of that. So thank right? you very much. Yeah. In there, done that. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I mean, you share that narrative. I've shared that narrative, and you know, I just right. think, oh, I'm different, but. Yes. Um, I, I think it's great because I think for people that are listening to this right now, you know, they're so willing to invest in MBAs and certifications and and all these things, right? Like these accolades or or award or whatever it is, right? Yes. But like investing in themselves yes. has so much greater impact in the world than like any of that stuff, right? Like if I can become a better person, I could be more kind to people, fill my life with more gratitude. If I, if I can control my thoughts and therefore my like reactions, you know, I mean, think of the value that I can create in my life by investing in, in those areas of my life. I mean, it, it's huge. 100%. And the reality is, is that again, to your question before, like, is it selfish? The reality is no, it's not selfish because at the end of the day, when we invest in ourselves, we show up in all aspects of our life, bringing the best of ourselves forward, whether that be to our family, whether it be to our career, whether it be to ourselves. The more centered, the more grounded, the more fulfilled, the more in balance we are, the better we show up everywhere in our life. And so it's actually not selfish at all. It's actually a benefit to you and everyone in your life. What do, what do you think holds people back from like doing this, calling you, Jody, and saying, hey, mm-hmm look, I'm broken. Hey, look, I want to make change. Hey, I, I want to, I want a different life, more fulfilling. Like what holds them back? Because it seems like the value prop is there. Yes. I think it's different for everybody. You know, the things that I've heard from people is shame. You know, I have to admit that there's something wrong with me. And you know, my, what I always say is, listen, every one of us are a work in progress, <laughs> yeah. right? And as soon as we you know, are willing to say that, then we're willing to say, okay. Some people don't want the label of, oh, I have to go ask somebody else for help. Uh, maybe they grew up in a family where you never asked for help. And um, sometimes it's time. I don't have time for that. You know, I'm too busy with everything else. You know, sometimes it's a financial, which I always find interesting because people will, like you said, will spend money on things that really don't provide that much value to them and they sure. don't see the value in this. So there's so many different barriers. Some are conscious and some are subconscious in our culture. We just, we're not a culture that supports people saying, hey, what are you doing to really spend time and, and work with yourself? I, I find interestingly outside of the United States, as I work with people from other cultures, their cultures support more of this uh, self-reflection work, more of this recognizing that it's, it's part of our own important aspect of growth, that ongoing growth to do this. And in the United States, we're, we're very much about what you said early on. It's like, okay, you know, what's, what's the, the position? What's the money? What's the title? And, and that's sort of the dominant narrative. And this yeah. is not usually part of that dominant narrative, unfortunately. And I agree. And, I, and what's interesting is that, you know, I've served in multiple leadership roles, whether it's in business or in like in ecclesiastical type positions or whatever it is. And what I found is that, you know, I get to look behind the curtain in a lot of these leadership roles. So like, I'll look at a business unit from the outside. People think, oh, look at this. This business is great. They have all these customers. They're doing so much revenue. And then you look behind the curtain and you're like, holy cow, there's a lot of problems. Or, you know, with leaders, you get to know leaders and you're like, wow, this CFO or CEO or whoever it is, VP, they seem so put together. They're dressed nice. They carry themselves very well. They speak very eloquently. And then you start peeling back the onion and you're like, wow, you're normal. Just like like me, right? You have problems exactly. just like me. Like you have issues with maybe your kids or your marriage or yes. your health or whatever it is. And I think like, you know, oftentimes we fall into this trap, especially in the world, like we live in with like filters and, you know, you, yes. you take a picture on Instagram and it's a nice picture of a well-set table with food. And in the background, the rest of the house is a disaster and there's yes. dishes everywhere, but we, we filter everything and we try to like live in this world. And I think it's dangerous to believe that, you know, we're unique in some way. Whereas like, Oh, I, I have problems. I don't have it together, but everybody else does because yes. I think we are mistaken when we go down that path and I it, agree. It, it inhibits our change, right? Our, our, it, our ability to change. It inhibits our change and it causes us to be sick. Actually. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times people come to me with chronic pain, uh, with autoimmune issues, with cancer, with all kinds of issues. And what we find out is that it's really the result of suppressed emotions, all these issues they've had that they have never spoken about because 
I always say we have, we're, we live in the I'm fine society. People say to you, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Like yeah. we're, we're just as a society, we don't encourage people to really share and talk about what's on their mind and the fact that they're not perfect, right? We're all trying to be perfect. And yep. the more perfect we try to be, the more we suppress how we really feel. And over time, when we just keep pushing it down and pushing it down, it gets stuck in our body energetically and it shows up as a symptom. And so almost 99.9% of the time when somebody comes to me with a physical issue, my first question is, tell me about what's happening in your life, what's been happening in your life. And almost always there's an emotional cause for that. And we work the emotional cause, the physical gets better. So when people come to me for all this mind-body work, most often, if they're coming with something physical, I'm looking at that root cause and it's almost always some kind of emotional thing. And we work that and it's amazing how much pain goes away. It's amazing. I mean, I have people who their cancer, they become cancer free as a result of the work we're doing because we're getting at the root of what they've been not dealing with the rest of their lives. So it's, it's making us sick is what's happening by not dealing with it. But are emotions for wimps? <laughs> we, <laughs> I mean, we it, all, I mean, it's just, it's our human DNA, right? Our thoughts drive our emotions, which drive our body. I mean, the yeah. mind and the body are completely connected whether you want to admit it or not, it's there. So like as human beings, like why are we so afraid to be vulnerable like that? Yeah. You know, does it make us seem weak? Like if, if we're in a leadership role in business yeah. and we admit like, oh my gosh, I'm having these mental health issues yes. or, hey, I'm really struggling with this or this or that. Does it make you a less effective leader? I think a lot of people believe that. I don't know if you know Brene Brown's work. She's done a lot of work with mm -hmm. companies on vulnerability and the shame of people, you know, admitting that they don't have all the answers. And we hide behind, like, for whatever reason, people believe when they become a leader, they have to suddenly feel like they know it all and they have to be something other than human. And the reality is, is and I'm sure you've seen this, I have found the leaders that I've enjoyed working with the best were those who were vulnerable, those who had humility, those who were yeah. willing to say, hey, I have problems like everybody else. I don't have all the answers. And let's roll up our sleeves and figure this out together. I think it's, again, a societal thing of like, suddenly you have a title, you're, you're supposed to know it all. And I think it's a, a trap that's really a, uh, not, a, not a positive one for most people. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting. I'll just tell you a quick story. But when I was in the corporate world, uh, at one point, I um, was really burnt out and I tried to resign. And they said to me, no, don't resign. We're going to we're gonna, uh, give you the summer off and we're going to send you to a coach. And I didn't even know what coaching was at the time. And um, so I took the summer off, which was great. And I started working with a coach, not having any idea because I was, you know, in this corporate world, drinking the Kool-Aid. And the first thing that the coach said to me is, Jody, have you ever meditated? And I was like, no. He's <laughs> like, well, wh what do you do to like, f to like fill yourself up and to like tune into like what your needs are, like nothing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so that was, and she, she was the first person to introduce me to this notion that you cannot be a strong leader if you are not in tune with your own needs, your own self, your own ability to like tap into your own inner knowing. The real, true, effective leaders are those who are willing to go inside and feel the feelings and feel the emotions and, and bring that humility and that humanity forward. I'm forever grateful uh, to my, what's really become a mentor to me, my initial coach. What a great opportunity to take a summer off and to just like be coached, meditate and like work yeah. on yourself. That must have been huge for you. It was life-changing, I have to say. I mean, everything for the rest of my life has changed as a result of that experience. And I went back, I did end up going back uh, into, the, into my role, a whole different person. And I'm deeply grateful for the person uh, at the company who basically wouldn't let me resign at the time because it was like, not because I went back to the corporate world because it was life-changing. It totally opened my whole world up to meditation and, and tuning into my own needs and my own self, which I really was very disconnected from. Yeah, that's interesting. So Jody, why do you think people lose hope and how do you help them to regain it? I, uh, Steve, I love this question. Uh, you know, the name of my wellness center is Hope Spring. <laughs> I really believe hope is one of the most potent medicines we can have that with hope, we can do anything. We can move mountains with hope. And I think what happens, uh, why people lose hope is because they go through periods of time where they just are stuck, right? Things are not happening the way they want. They can't see their way out. They just, they get to this place where they, they get tunnel vision in the sense that they can see only what's in front of them and they can't see an alternative. They can't see that it's going to change and they can't see their way out of it. It's almost like they fall into this black hole and they don't know how to get out. And for me, when I do work with people all the time, and hope is a big part of the work I, I do with people, is help people to open up that lens 
and to see their self in their world in a broader lens, almost like an eagle view, like the ability to like rise above where you are and see a broader perspective and see that there are always choices. There are always ability for change. There's um, something called the law of impermanence. It goes back to Herodias time, which is that change is always happening. Nothing's ever permanent. When things are going well, it changes also. I know when things are going well, we never want it to change, but it does change. And when things are not going well, the good news is it changes as well. So when we're in a period of time where it hasn't been going well for a long period of time, and it may be years, uh, people tend to lose hope. And I really help people to see things from a different lens, to sort of change the lens, to put on a new pair of glasses and say, hey, what about this? What about that? And really help people see that nobody's ever stuck forever. I've seen people where doctors have said, you'll never get better. And we do work together and they get better, whether it be emotional or physical. The wellness center is founded on the principle that every one of us has the ability to heal and to thrive. And I've worked at the Cleveland Clinic now with some really, really ill people, chronically ill people. I worked at Boston Medical Center. And in both cases, I've seen people, I've witnessed people heal that were told they would never heal. So I believe that hope is one of the most important first medicines for anybody to take a step forward in their life if they're stuck. I think that's beautiful. And I, I like how you weave that into your organization's name. And, you know, I, I think that's so true, you know, like empowering people with this sense of hope can do wonders. I mean, it, it literally changes lives. And I, I think what you're doing is, is so impactful. And I'm, I'm sure you did a lot of great things in your corporate career, but I'm excited for you in, in this new um, chapter of your life, because the impact you'll have on individuals lives is, is absolutely huge. The, I mean, the upside is extraordinary. So thank you for being a guest on today's show and for sharing your insights. And, and I like that, that little uh, tool that you gave me as, as far as like taking that one minute to breathe. Yeah. Definitely going to incorporate that, but what you're doing is, is absolutely inspiring and it's just, it's so heartwarming. And, and I think so many people, you know, the listeners today, you know, regardless of what position you're in, you can definitely benefit from the type of stuff that Jody has been talking about today. So thank you for sharing. Thank you, Steve, for having me. It's really been an honor to uh, be invited here and to speak with you. And I'm happy to support you in any way I can going forward. Thank you, Jody. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. If there's any way I can be helpful to you and your business, or if you have feedback or ideas regarding this podcast, shoot me an email at contact at I would love to connect. All the best.